Welcome to the Draft Nut Podcast. My name is Jared Feinberg. Alongside me is Devin Jackson, and we are your hosts for this lovely Sunday evening, or whenever you're listening to this. We have a good one for you guys this evening. Joining us is Atlanta Falcons writer for the Falcoholic, Eric Robinson. Eric, welcome, my man. How's it going? Well, it's going pretty good, despite the circumstances. Yes, despite the circumstances. Yeah. Uh, we we chatted about that a little bit before uh, the show, and we'll get to that later. But first, we want to go ahead and start getting into some Falcons talk, um, and maybe we can do a schedule prediction, potentially. But we'll just have to see because of all, of course, the circumstances that have arose. Right. Um, so... I want to know your quick your thoughts real quick on the state of the Atlanta Falcons heading into the 2020 season. What's Dan Quinn's job? What's his job like in terms of is it safe? Is it not safe? Mm-hmm. Is um, your thoughts on the draft class for the Falcons and what the NFL is going to look like with COVID-19 going on if there is a season? So just want to know your thoughts on everything right there, Dan Quinn's job, Elan Falcons, uh, or to say the Elan Falcons, and um, the draft class for the Falcons. Right. So, you know, this is this was a pretty busy offseason for the team, um, and it, it, we have to remember that they entered this offseason with very little cap space. So, you know, they had to roll back the sleeves from the, from the jump, from the beginning of the offseason and, and make things work. And I think for the most part, it's been pretty successful. You know, they signed – Todd Gurley to a cheap one-year deal, um, a prove-it deal. Um, they got uh, Dante Fowler for a three-year deal from L.A. as a, from uh, from the Rams as a free agent. You know, they hit on some uh, definite needs in the draft. I think it was a pretty successful offseason for them. I think right now they're a team that's kind of lying in the weeds real quick. Like nobody, no one's really talking about them, you know, because Brady's in the division and, you know, Breeze is coming back for his – you know, 43rd year in the league and stuff like that. And it's just, yeah, I'm, I'm, I think the Falcons play better when no one really talks about them. So I think they're a team that can, that can surprise some folks this year. And I feel pretty confident about this team now than I did around this time last year. You know, there was a lot of questions. Um, and Quinn, Quinn and Dimitrov, the uh, general manager, Thomas Dimitrov, they're both entering the season on a hot seat. I mean, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty clear cut. They got to get to the playoffs. If they don't, um, there's going to be, there's going to be some quick turnover as far as this franchise, that's fr- this franchise goes, um, from the front office to even the coaching staff to maybe even guys on the field. So this is a pretty important season for the Falcons as a whole. Yeah. You, uh, you talk about the, the season in general. Uh, obviously I'm a Saints fan and, and cheer for the Saints, but, yeah. You know, I, I watch the Falcons, you know, that you got to keep a, a, a eye on, you know, especially your rivals. Uh, but you, you talked a little bit at the end about uh, maybe having a full overhaul. Uh, where do you think that leaves Matt Ryan, the, Matt Ryan in the equation should they not make the playoffs and, you know, they go a different direction with the GM and the head coach? You know, I, I think Matt Ryan is pretty he's pretty stable at this point. I mean, he's got a nice, hefty contract. That's going to be hard to move going forward, you know, in, in the situation that the Falcons have to move on and start a new chapter. You know, I, I don't, I think at, you know, at the age of 35, his price tag is, 
honestly, it's really either the Falcons or I don't know. It may be retirement. And it's not, it's nothing against his skill set. It's just that we're in a day and age, guys, where quarterbacks get these fat contracts and it's hard to move. Um, so I think he, you know, if a head coach, a new head coach comes into play, hypothetically, you know, it'd be smart for him to build around Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. I mean, that's just my opinion. I mean, those, those guys are the two cornerstones. They've been with the Falcons since 2011. They've been playing together since 2011. So, um, I think those two guys are probably as safe as you can get. The rest of the roster, mm, we'll see. Um, I think Grady Jarrett can possibly be a mainstay as well as Deion Jones. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it can be a completely different team in 2021 if they, if they get to that point to where they just have to move on from Dan Quinn and Thomas Dimitrov. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And, you know, I've always thought like, what could, what could the NFL look like had the Falcons not blown a 28 to 3 lead? <laughs> I mean, hey. This is, this is I mean, pretty early. I, I thought we were going to talk about this later in the conversation, but okay. Hey, right. man. I, I had to bring it up at some point. <laughs> I, I thought I might be the one to bring it up. There. Damn, the <laughs> I damn, like, Jared. I was going to bring to break it up, honestly. I thought that was going to be his first question. Uh, well, I, I just want to let you guys know that I am seeing a therapist twice a week for that. So, it's, you know, I'm still not over it, and I probably never will be over it. Um, but, you know, things could have been different, you know. Um, I'm not sitting here saying that, you know, the Falcons had a, a dynasty in the making, but you know, this could have been a team that really took off a little bit more after the, after that Super Bowl. They would have just so happened to win one. Um, but you know, that was as heart wrenching as it was. It is. I honestly felt like it was something that the team needed because they've never outside of the 98 season, they never really experienced success like that before. And that was an opportunity for them to, you know, how, how many times have you seen the Patriots get beat up like that? Like how many, how many times have you seen the Patriots down 28 to three? Never. Like they were giving it to them. Um, so if they learn anything from it, I'm hoping they did, you know, and I'm hoping at some point Matt Ryan can go out with a ring as well as Julio Jones. But, you know, you do have to wonder a little bit how, how the NFL would look at this point if, you know, they were to win that Super Bowl. Um, would Brady still be in New England? I, I don't, I, I don't know. You know, um, things could have been different. New England could have made some changes with their roster at that point. You know, they could have, they could have moved on from some guys. Um, but it's just, it's a, it's a situation that is, is always going to, hang around their necks no matter what they do. They can come out and they can go 16 and 0, but people are still going to wonder like, okay, can they do it? Can they win it? And it's, 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 it's a shame, man. Like they, that's, that's their stamp. That's what they're known for from this point. This sucks. So, but I I said that this might be the year that this seems like the type of year with the coronavirus thing that we have going on and how the season is going to look. This seems like the type of year that the Falcons finally will win a Super Bowl when there's no fans in the stands. Um, and people are already like, okay, whoever wins the Super Bowl this year, we're going to throw a star on it. So it's like, of course, the Falcons are going to win one this year when no one wants to give it any credibility. 
It makes sense. So that's why I feel pretty confident about it. Like, this is probably the year. This is it right here. <laughs> you know, I mean, I would talk about my Panthers, but, I mean, we had a right tackle that didn't block for Cam Newton, and Vaughn Miller had a field day in Super Bowl 50, so what I'm this? over that. I mean, I mean, I can't, I can't even really talk over being honest. I mean, it's, it's been three straight playoff losses that have just been Rude. so like, so like I've been, I've kind of let the twenty eight three joke go now because now Vikings yeah, fans dead. are always in our mention. So you're it's dead. it's like it's like <laughs> you Falcons <laughs> in overtime or by walk off twice. You know, yeah, in the last three years, that's an interesting then, point there, Devin, because you know you guys. When the Saints won theirs, you know, the team was relatively young. You know, Breeze yeah. was what? Like late twenties by that point? Yeah, you I think know? it was like early thirties, so. So but they still they still had the outlook or the blueprint of a team that could, you know, do it again. Mm-hmm. And they really haven't. And I think I think it's something that's honestly not talked about enough, in my opinion. You know, with a head coach like Sean Payton in place and still having Breeze and you know, you thought at this point that maybe they could have gotten themselves another ring, but they really haven't. And they, they couldn't, like, as you pointed out, they tripped, uh, tripped up a little bit the past couple of years, the past three years in the playoffs. So, I mean, this, this might maybe, maybe Breeze is going up for his last hurrah. You know, I don't have a lot of room to talk now because we're, we're a couple years away. <laughs> they're not competing anytime soon. I mean, you know, I'm going to be stuck here just watching this team lose probably 13 games this year, which is fine. As long as we get the number one pick and get Trevor Lawrence, that's fine. Listen, that would be my worst nightmare because the Saints really don't have a long-term plan uh, in terms of who's going to be a star after Drew Brees leaves. Oh, no. I thought um, Tony Hill was the answer. I like James there. I thought, <sighs> listen. That's James' listen. team. Look, Jameis is there. Taysom Hill is it? Look, man, um, I gotta see something from Jameis before I don don him the the future of the Saints. He he has a lot of upside, but the turnovers are a big issue. Um, we did yeah, talk I, about that. Yeah. Um. So I I mean I'm kind of worried about that, but I mean it really just comes down to it's just like the NFC South has been like the one the the one division in my opinion that's always been consistent in terms of who's starting that quarterback uh except for the buccaneers they're like the one exception uh but like who's starting for each team like who's around head coach wise things like that and now i feel like heading into you know the 2020s and on uh pretty much after the season it's going to be a bunch of change like brady could be a one year rental uh, for the Bucks, but like I said, the Bucks have always been in flux. Um, but for the Panthers, Teddy Bridgewater potentially a one-year rental. Drew Brees on his last year. Uh, Matt Ryan has a couple years left. So you know the NFC South that was once a stable division had Cam Newton, Matt Ryan, Drew Brees pretty much dominated most of the 2010s. I mean, since I mean all of them have gotten close to winning a Super Bowl. Uh, it, uh, with the exception of, you know, obviously the Saints lost an NFC championship game against the Rams, but Cam went to the, um, the Super Bowl. Matt Ryan went to the Super Bowl. Yep. So men, not many divisions can say they put starting quarterbacks in the Super Bowl. So mm-hmm. those guys also won, uh, NFL MVPs that year too. Mm-hmm. That went as yeah. well. So, you know, they, they, I, 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 I just hope for the same for, 
for the sake of your Saints, they win the Super Bowl this year and just let Breeze right off into the sunset? No. Why would you want that, Derek? No. Like, we don't want that. I don't care as a Panthers fan because we ain't competing for nothing. You know, it's funny, though, because, like, (laughs) I don't want in, in in our division it's like it's just the Falcons and Saints going at it and then it's just like the Panthers and Buccaneers just watching on the sideline because they're just like because it's like there's only one um, real rivalry in the NFC South let's just be honest it's only yeah. one it's Falcons Saints that's it like Panthers I, I think the Falcons Falcons fan base they respect the Panthers fan base. Well, I mean, they they had Cam Newton for a long time too, and you know he's from Atlanta, so you can't. They didn't hate him, you know. Yeah, they talked trash on game days, but afterwards it was like, okay, we're going. We both are going back to hating the Saints, and it's like it's 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 on. When it comes to the Saints, like there's nothing Falcons fans like about the Saints, like from top to bottom. So why you would sit here and say you hope Breeze does that? That means I'll have to hear from Devin from that. Like, oh man, he got one on. Yeah, so he got two now. I don't want to do that. I, I personally, I personally like Drew Brees, and I just, you know, I'm just saying. And I know Panther fans, Falcons fans, Bucks fans, they're going to get pissed at me. The rest of the yeah. NFL, any other fans are going to get pissed at me for saying this. But I think besides the Kansas City Chiefs and the Baltimore Ravens, the New Orleans Saints have the best chance in the NFL to win a Super Bowl besides those two teams, the Chiefs and the Ravens. And you know you, you don't you so you're not I'm look, I'm drinking the Bucks Kool-Aid. I'm sorry. They're <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna win the division this year. I mm. will say that. They're gonna win it. Uh, I'm I'm riding that man. This I is, don't know man. This is this is a team they have talent everywhere, but what I think I think people are forgetting is that there's a there's a certain dynamic you have when you have a particular quarterback. Okay, mm-hmm. there's there's franchise quarterback, and then there are just legendary guys. And I think having a guy like Brady in the play compared to what they had last year in Jameis, you we don't have to worry about Brady throwing thirty interceptions. So we're gonna I think we're gonna see the difference between having a young developmental quarterback and a guy that can go out and win a game by itself. I think he's going to make that difference. They have the talent. They just needed a guy at the most important position that's able to just, you know, steer everybody in the right direction. And he is the guy that's able to do that. So I I think with him in the fold, I think they can win 12, maybe 13 games at the most this year. I'm I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. They are for real. I'm taking them serious. Wait and see. I mean, like, I do like the Bucks too, but, you know – I don't know. They do have talent. It's just I, I'm kind of I'm a little skeptical, but again, I do have some optimism with that team. I have a lot of optimism with the Saints, and I'm hey man, I, I gotta put the respect drink that Kool Aid, man. Oh. Drink that Kool Aid. <laughs> that Kool Aid is that Kool Aid is sugarless, man. Ain't no ain't sweet at all. It's bitter. I don't want to drink that. I, I, I guess, I guess we all can agree that whoever wins the NFC as a whole this year, like they're going to deserve it. Like it's going to be a bloodbath. Well, I was, I was, I was going to say my hot take is that three NFC South teams are going to be in the playoffs. I think, I think the Bucks, Falcons, and Saints all get in somehow. Um, you know, with the new playoff seating. So they got seven teams now. So yeah, 
Oh. Could make it four. I'm not saying the Panthers. There's going to be a bunch of splitting in a division, though. There'll be other divisions that <laughs> yeah. could, we, we could see for the first time in entire, potentially an entire division make the playoffs because of the seven, having that extra seventh seed now. So, that possibility, but that, that's going to be hard. But I, I don't know. I don't know about would be contention. Yeah, are the four teams? 49ers. Okay. Seahawks. Okay. Um, Cardinals, Rams. No, I'm, I'm trying to think because I got to get out of that division because they still got the two division winners. Um, but I mean, that's your, your that's your wild cards. Your yeah. wild cards are going. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Let me think. Um, Green Bay, probably. Okay. Um, and then let's see. What am I missing? The East. Uh, Philly. Mm. Man. I don't no, know. Philly, Dallas. I don't know. I don't know between those two. Uh, Dallas offense is getting lethal. Um, I don't know, man. Defense is not too bad either. Yeah. Uh, like I said, it's gonna be it's gonna be a bloodbath. I think the Eagles uh make a run at the wild card, but I'm I'm not really sold on them. So I think Cowboys. So I think that that's your teams right there. Oh man. I, I don't think the NFC South is going to get three teams. Um, and and I, I honestly mean this with everything in me. I don't think the Saints make the playoffs. I think this is finally the year where they hit the wall. Like it was, you, you kind of knew it was going to happen, especially with the, the, the way the playoffs ended the last three years, Breeze reaching a certain age. Like, it's going to happen at some point. There's going to be a certain time where it's like, okay, the Saints don't have it anymore, guys. I think this is the year. I honestly think this is the year that they hit the wall. They kind of stumbled a little bit, and I don't think they make the playoffs. I'm sure Devin is like, yeah, right. Get out of here. We're, we're, we're good. Look, I don't I don't think they win a division, but I still think they make the playoffs. Um, I, I mean, the schedule, it looks tough, though. Like, I think a lot of I think a lot of Saints fans are kind of overlooking it, but we play the Chiefs, you know. We play obviously Falcons twice, Buccaneers twice. Like I feel like those both games have potential to be splits. So that's that's gonna be a couple losses right there. So I mean, it's it's like I don't know, man. It it's like is it gonna be a situation where like there's just so many wild cards because like with Drew Brees getting hurt last year. For the longest time, he never missed a game. So it was like, now you have to think about, okay, he could get hurt again. Mm-hmm. And then if we have to rely on James, it's like, <laughs> are you ready for that? <laughs> are you ready for that? That's no, nice I'm not. Cause, cause when, cause Drew Brees winning during his time at FSU and with Tampa, but he was always squinting to the side and he's trying to read the play. He's like, I mean, he, he got his, he got his eyes fixed. The thing is, the Saints finally have a receiving core that is that? It, that that is actually formidable. They're not just bringing up practice squad players. Like they got they got Michael Thomas, Jared Cook, Thomas, it's Emmanuel now. Sanders now. Yeah. So it's like I wanted to like be where they finally like get over the hump. But it's like Drew Brees is always just non mortal in the playoffs. Like. Honestly, he should have never went back in the game. Once they, once like Taysom Hill started going down the field, 
because the, the very next play after Taysom broke off like a 40 yard run, he fumbled. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, I, I think the Saints are at a point where they can't just have a quarterback that cannot move in the pocket. Cause like now, like it's so hard to have an offensive line where you just have straight up protection and you don't have to move around and manipulate the pocket. And, and, and teams have picked up on that. If you go back to, um, if you go back to the playoff game with the Saints and the Vikings, at, you know, post game, Mike Zimmer came out and said that they, they watched tape from the Falcons game when the Falcons went into, into New Orleans and beat the Saints and how they were able to rush the passer in that game. And they utilized that same, they executed that same way against the Saints in the playoffs. So teams are starting to pick up on, you know, the Achilles heel of the Saints offense and they're starting to realize like, hey, while Breeze is, you know, Drew Breeze, he's not going to move a lot. You know, attack him up the middle, and you'll be able to pretty much put a vice grip on the Saints' offense. So, team, so it's interesting you bring that up because teams are starting to put that together now. They're starting to figure it out. Well, that's part of the reason the Saints went out and drafted Cesar Ruiz because mm-hmm. Andrus Pete and Larry Warford were horrible in that game. <laughs> I, I watched the game today, and right. Every other play, there was uh, pressure from Everson uh, Griffin or uh, the other interior guys. So it's like that's exactly what happened with the Saints and Falcons. Grady Jarrett was literally murdering them. Yeah. So, like, they had to address that issue. But, I mean, that's still besides the point because, like, I mean, Drew Brees is not throwing a deep ball. <laughs> I mean, like, the the same game, he, threw, he underthrew Ted in by 10 yards and he got picked off. And he did the same thing couple years ago when they played the Vikings. So it's like teams know that teams realize that like, well, you know, obviously the saints can win within 15 yards when it gets to downfield and trying to exploit those mismatches, they're not able to. So it, it kind of just sucks from being the Saints fan that I haven't seen a deep ball in probably like five years. And every time we have to throw one, it has to be Taysom Hill. So it's like, I read a PFF stat the other day. Uh, Breeze has not completed a pass that traveled 35 yards or more in the air since 2017. That is the life he's completed really? a deep ball pass that long. It's been three years. He's attempted oh, him, really has he's attempted him but he has not completed a pass that traveled 35 yards or more. I mean, if you if you look at his long passes, they never have airtime. They're just straight shots, basically. Straight passes. Nope. Quick slants, outs, digs. That's it. Another 150 reception season for Michael Thomas. Absolutely. He's probably having 125 or more. <laughs> I mean, it's, at least. I mean, the the thing is like. He's good at like distributing to different players, but it's like, like I said, he doesn't have the deep element. So teams, if you have a good covered, like good, good, uh, good coverage scheme, like either a team is going to play all coverage pretty much most of the game, or they're going to rush, uh, pretty much four. Cause it, if you get home with four, that's the, that's the, what's the Saints can't stop offensively. Mm-hmm. But if you have to bring blitzes, he's going to pick you apart because he, he can easily recognize that. But if you can get to him with four pass rushers, that's why the Saints struggle so much with the Rams because they yeah. can't block. They can't block Aaron Donald. So <laughs> no one, I don't think anyone can. I mean, no one can, but yeah. it, it's just yeah, it's even worse. You need a special, special 
offensive line to really just shut down Aaron Donald or a special offensive lineman to really just get a hold of Aaron Donald and shut him down the entire game. Like, it's re- Donald will get past, like, the best guards in the league. He'll get past Quentin Nelson. He'll get past Zach Martin, no problem. Like, it's going to be a long time until we see a guard that actually can shut down Aaron Donald because he's going to dominate the league for years to come. Right. Um, so, guys, I know this was a good distraction from the news we heard about an hour, an hour and a half ago or so. I hate to bring it up, but it, it doesn't sound like college football is happening this fall. Yeah. And multiple reports are saying the Big Ten will probably be canceling their season and will try to have all the Power Five conferences cancel in unison as well later in the week. <sighs> I have so much on my mind, so much anger, so much rage I want to have because, you know, college football was the one of the few things I was looking for besides NFL, besides the NFL. And, you know, it, 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 it makes me so angry. And excuse my French, but people, what have we been saying for the last few months to do in order to curb the COVID-19 pandemic? Where... A fucking mask. Wear it. It's that simple. We wouldn't be in this situation where we would not, where we potentially won't have a college football season if we wore a mask and the spread had started to slow. But now we're at this point, and now. And Eric and I talked about it pre-show. Yeah, it's it's one of the it's one of the few sports that we ha- had to look for. We looked forward to to get out of all the ugliness in the world, and now that's going to be gone. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's so it's, oh, it's it, aggravating, dude. It's discouraging because you know I'm I'm. I'm one that, granted, me being you know a writer is one thing, but you know I'm a I'm a sports fan at the end of the day, and I look at sports as as an outlet. You know, it's an opportunity for me to get away from what's going on out there in the world and just focus on on a game for three hours or wherever, or focus on a bunch of games for an entire weekend. And the fact that we're at this point right now, where you know we're, we're looking at college football pretty much being suspended or, or postponed or whatever. It's discouraging because, you know, we had an, not only did we have an opportunity as society to kind of focus on this situation and fix the situation a little bit with whatever we could. When I, and when I say that, I mean, you know, wearing a mask, taking the proper precautions, you know, NCAA had plenty of enough time to put a plan in place. And it's quite obvious they did. It's quite obvious August crept up on them and they were like, well, what the hell? Like we thought this would be over by now. Um, they make billions of dollars, okay? They have the money. They have the resources to keep these players safe and healthy and to have a season going forward. But it's quite obvious they didn't. 
Um, it's, it's obvious that they don't want to be held liable for possible players or teams getting sick. So they're waving the white flag. And again, it's, it's a tragedy. It's, it's sad. Um, I don't think we can pull off having college football played in the spring. I don't think that's going to be possible. I think there's too many logistics that are going to prevent that. Um, so to me at this point, if you're going to postpone the season, we're, we're just punting until 2021, basically. Um, and, and you know, there may be a bright side to not having college football because there's so much wrong with not only college football, but with the NCAA as well. Like there, this can be a time of where people can actually realize, okay, what, what are the issues that need to be addressed in college football? There are so many to count. So many to count with the NCAA. It's, it's, it's definitely a topic for another day or another time, but this could be what college football needed to just hit the reset button and be like, okay, we need to fix stuff or at least fix some things before the start of next season. And we will continue to fix other flaws throughout the years. But, you know, again, that's going to be tough because no one's going to listen. Probably knowing the NCAA, they're not going to listen. They don't care. I mean, I'll be honest. They never have. They never care for their athletes. They just care about the money. And yet somehow, and yet somehow, you think that, oh, well, no college football this year. Well, that's a big rut row for us because we may be losing money from TV revenue, ticket, ticket sales, merchandise, all of that. You'd think they care about that? No. I think just the people working at the NCAA, they just care about themselves. That's just me. I, I, the whole – the NCAA is a complete crapshoot. It's a complete shit show, and I don't know what to do anymore. I, I don't. don't. I don't think they're going to take the initiative to iron out those wrinkles. I no. think it's going to be a situation. Business as usual. <laughs> yeah, basically. Business as usual. I um, mean – yeah, it's it's gotten to a point where basically if it's not affecting their bottom line, then they don't care. I mean, there are so many examples where you you can tell that they're getting money from it, so they're going to just let it through. And the perfect example is the transfer portal. Literally every star quarterback gets through the tra- transfer portal, no problem. But with some, when someone actually has a real issue and a real reason why they should want to transfer they they deny him uh i I think it was somebody the illinois tight end or something like that he was trying to he was trying to move home yeah for his grandparents were sick yep and they said no so it was just like obviously they don't care about feelings they don't care about logistics they care about if it's going to make them money and and at the end of the day that's what it comes down to uh kind of addressing the the cancellation it needs to happen because a lot of people need to have a reality check that if you want if you want to do what you want with this pandemic it's just going to keep taking things that you'd like away so 
Correct. I mean, it it's gotten to that point where, I mean, it it doesn't even matter at this point about college football. I think I don't think people understand that. Like a lot of people that have been tweeting a lot of the stuff they saying, you know, we're being negative about. No, we're just being real. <laughs> we're being real about the possibility that there are going to be no sports except for basketball because they had a real plan and they had a real logistic way of doing it. Executing it, yeah. But, like, college football, literally, they should have been on it since March. And, like, okay, let's try this, this, this and out. But instead, they just kept playing the waiting game, kicking the can, and it it just... They should have been on it around the same time that they were making a decision for the NCAA tournament. And like I, like I told, like I talked with Jared about, if you remember that, like they waited literally to like the day before, like the final minute, the last minute to say, okay, you know what, we're not gonna do the tournament this year. And it's like they, that should have been an opportunity for them to get together and say, hey guys, our cash cow is college football. All right, we just had to get rid of our tournament. We're not gonna let this affect the college football season. So how can we put a plan together? And for anybody that wants to say, oh, they should have had a bubble, there's no way in hell NCAA is going to have – they, they can't. There's no way football in general can have no. a bubble. They I mean, it's, bubble. it's impossible. No. You think about it, the logistics would be insane. No, you can't. Insane. And so I don't know. And you brought up – the and Devin, you brought up the point of, like, people saying – we don't want college football. Well, someone that the three of us respect gratefully in the draft community, Jim Nagy, um, is the, I believe he is the executive director of the Senior Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, he tweeted out a poll, which he has since deleted. Cancel culture, canceling the college football season, dot, 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 and then a poll. The right move, the wrong move, I have no idea. Let me address this tweet. Do you know what cancel culture is? It's people that want to get, want to put down people that don't agree really with their thoughts or ideals and they don't, and they, in a way, they don't they try to make sure they don't get a second chance. They try to do everything they can to expose them. That's just from what I've seen from a social standpoint, from just the, from being a 19 year old kid and watching all these YouTube influencers and all that. This is not cancel culture. When, if it was cancel culture, that would just be a dis- disservice to for every single one of us, three of us, everyone that co- covers college football in any sort of way or fashion. We care about the health and safety of every single college football player that plays for the NCAA, that plays Division One football, FBS, FCS, Division Two, II, Division Three, NIA, or NIA or something like that. I don't remember what's going on. But um, we care about health and safety of everyone involved in college football. We don't want the season to be canceled. That was That's never our thought process. We want it to happen. But it 
the reality is it really it's because of the circumstances we're in right now because of the state we're in as a country dealing with this pandemic it's very hard to imagine a lot of sports seasons happening we we didn't think basketball was going to start up we didn't think nhl was going to start up again pga um baseball baseball has become recently they've <laughs> come so close at getting canceled. We don't know what the NFL will be like yet because they they just started training camp when so far so far everything has gone well, I would say from my point of view. But you know, I, we're not trying to cancel college football. Us Draft analysts, us college football analysts, us football fans aren't trying to cancel college football. We're trying to voice our, we're trying to voice ourselves and saying, hey, we want the season to happen, but we also understand it probably won't happen because of a pandemic that has been mishandled from the start. Yeah, I mean they can they can have a season. So it's not, as if, it's not as if they, a season couldn't go on. They can have a season, but they just needed a better plan in place. Yeah, you, know, you got a lot of universities right now. And they're only testing maybe once a week, and that's not going to yeah, cut. Like you mentioned with Miami, you were, you were saying Miami yeah. was doing once a week. It's just ridiculous. Manny Diaz, Manny Diaz came out in a press conference recently and stated that they're only testing once a week. And again, you know, campus fall campus starting up, uh, practice is starting up for those guys. And again, you you can't. As a university, you can't just do like once a week. You know, you gotta, you have a, a pretty loaded roster from front to back. That's not gonna work. Again, I never, I never once thought a bubble was gonna work, but I damn sure not gonna sit here and think that you can test a player on Friday and think everything's gonna be alright. No. Um, so it's, like I said, it's obvious that NCAA as a whole didn't have a plan and it came back and bit them. Um, but, I still, I still feel like canceling the season is not a great idea. Um, like Especially said, how deep some programs already are, like how deep some conferences already are. Well, yeah, I mean, and, and, and you know, the, the cancellation of the MAC conference yesterday, you know, everybody pretty much took that ball and ran with it. And I never thought that was going to be a huge deal to Power Five conferences because the MAC, you know, teams in the MAC, they depend on non-conference money. Yeah, they depend they're not getting it. Alabama doesn't need non-conference money. Alabama's going to get money regardless. So yeah. if the MAC wanted to do away with the season, that was going to be fine. Business is going to be running as usual with Nick Saban and his team. That's just how it goes when it comes to Power Five conferences. But you know, we're at that point where ADs and presidents they're they're afraid, they're scared, and they're quietly admitting they didn't have a plan in place. That's yeah. Yeah, and another thing, uh, kind of in addition to that. Uh, you know, while a lot of attention has been paid to, you know, the pandemic and whatnot, it also, you know, these presidents and ADs, uh, they see the unions that are forming by these players and these players are demanding exactly what they want. And obviously they're showing that they're not willing to give into those demands. So they think, uh, I guess in their mind, they're probably thinking, okay, we're going to cancel a season as a punishment. But at the end of the day, it's still hurting themselves because they depend on those games, that money, et cetera. And we already knew that fans weren't going to be in a stand. So that's already part of the revenue being taken away from the university because they're not going to get that money from fans 
uh, to watch the games and whatnot because fans aren't going to be allowed, going to be able to be allowed. And the, the funny thing is, like, Penn State was trying to propose a plan where they had, like, 20,000 people in the stands when they can normally feel like 100,000, 105,000. Yeah. But in the day, that still wasn't going to work just depending on with everything going on with COVID. But, yeah. I mean, it just it just comes down to that people, they, put, I mean, it, yourself, it just, put yourself, logistics. Put yourself in the shoes of an AD right now, okay? If you're an AD at a Power 5 school and you see – kind of sort of of an uprising in the Pac-12 where players are starting to be a little bit more vocal about certain things and you're starting to see it trickle down to other conferences as well. Um, canceling the season will at, you know, it take, it'll take the liability away from you as a school, as an AD, because now you don't really have to take care of these players. They kind of sort of have to take care of themselves and make sure they stay healthy. But you're also not giving those players that were that were uprising. You're not giving them a platform to continue their voice because now, because if you would have kept the season going and you got 30, 40, 50 players that didn't want to play, now they're not playing and you have a game schedule. That's going to look bad, isn't it? You got to clean that up now. So that's a great point by Devin. You know that. You know, you you see the ads. They're they're kind of relying on COVID and and coronavirus as the reason to cancel the season, but in actuality, that's not the main reason. Part of it is because these guys are starting to get a voice, and their voice collectively is pretty powerful. So, and ads are scared of that. I, imagine if you were ad at Alabama and half the stat, half the you know the roster at Alabama are like, we're not playing today. And it's game day against LSU. Oh boy. Like that's just, that's pretty ugly that you, that, that's an ugly situation at that point. So they avoid that completely with no season, of course. And you, you were mentioning the players having a voice. I want to read out the thread that Trevor Lawrence put out at, um, just after seven. People are, um, from Trevor Lawrence, people are just as much, if not more, risk if we don't, or if not more at risk if we don't play. Players will all be sent home to their own communities where social, distan- social distancing is highly unlikely and medical care and expenses will be placed on the families if they were to contract COVID-19. Not to mention the players coming home coming from situations that are not good for them, their future, and having to go back to that. Football is a safe haven for so many people. We are more likely to get the virus in everyday life than playing football. Having a season also incentivizes players being safe and taking all the right precautions to try and avoid contracting COVID because of the season, teammate safeties, or safety is on the line. Without the season, as we've seen already, people will not social distance or wear masks and take proper precautions. He's got a point. He's got a really good point. And I, I just, I feel so bad for those players that, like, and I agree with Trevor that I think the best place for those players to be right now is with their team, 
with that medical staff that knows like the experts because basically your medical staff is the ex are the experts for your team on COVID-19. Like those are the guys that you go to mm-hmm. and I, and Eric, you and I were talking and I've also said that I've also said this many times already. We have to take this one day at a time. People need to be more patient. It's just the impatience and the unknown that scares people. Mm-hmm. It's it's because for all we know, COVID the COVID nineteen curve after shooting through the roof during the summer, it could start going down a lot more. And by the end of by the start of when a lot of conferences were supposed to start their season. Like the curve would be going down a good bit and everything would be going in the right direction, but they're living in the now and the fear of the now instead of patiently waiting and waiting to see what could happen. Yeah. I mean, cause we still have what you said roughly about a month until the season actually kicked off. Mm-hmm. So. Why, like, why, why pull the trigger now? I, again, there, there's pressure on them at this point. Yeah. Again, you, you had an opportunity to let it back because you never know. We don't, no one knows. Anybody that wants to sit here and say, oh, it's going to spread. We're going to see another uprising. Like, no one knows. It can be the end of August can get here and we can have a downward trend for like a couple weeks at that point. Now we're looking at like, okay, things are improving. We don't know. So for them to sit here, and pull the trigger so quickly, I think it is premature for them to do that. Um, and again, it's gonna, it's gonna cost billions of dollars, of course. You know, now you're telling, now, you know, Lawrence wasn't the only one that had made a statement similar to that. Many players, Sam Howell, quarterback from, uh, North Carolina has come out and said that they want to play. Uh, Lorenzo Lingard, uh, transfer running back to the University of Florida. He's come out and said that they want to play. These guys want to play for the most part, like collectively, these guys want to play too. I, I, and sure. now, now they're being told you can't play. You got to go back home. And Carol Lawrence is basically saying, I'm safer here on campus than I am back at home where people are not wearing masks and not taking precautions. So it, it, it's, it's pretty alarming to hear that, you know, from a 19 year old kid at this point, to be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, at this point, it's like now they're making decisions without really, I mean, obviously we're not expecting these college athletes to make the decisions, but they're not even hearing their voices yeah. and either on both sides of the equation, whether they want to play or not, they're not hearing either side. So now it's like, okay, we're leaving in the hands of guys that are just looking to make money. Right. So it's like, where is kind of the ethics in this, which is why you see in bigger leagues like the you say NBA and the NBA PA, NFL and NFL PA, they have association for the players. So they have their uh, voices heard specifically. But in NCAA, they don't have any of that. So you won't hear from athletes except for on their own platforms. So now it's like. Basically. Like we were just talking about, they're they're taking they're making the decision premature, and they're basically saying, okay, we don't really want to put in the work 
to make tests. We don't want to make testing multiple times a week. We don't want to do this and that. Basically, they're saying they don't want to do what needs to be done to make the season happen. Mm-hmm. So now they're just like, okay, we're just going to cancel the season. Everything's going to go away by the time the next season comes around, and we'll be just fine. You and know. Then, so let's, let's be honest, man. I think it's a great idea to have a players' union for every Power Five conference. But they're never going to get one. That's not going to happen. As long as the the power brokers are in charge of college football and NCAA, like, like they're never, you're never going to see that. Because then, because then that's going to lead to players vocally saying even more that they want to get paid. And that's another skeleton in the closet that the NCAA does not want to touch. They want to leave that alone. Now you're giving Trevor Lawrence who's president of the ACC union, now the arguably the best player in the country, he's coming out and saying, I want to get paid. Now the NCAA is like, oh, well, damn. He's, you know, he, he's, he, he's saying he wants to get paid and he's making us all this money and he's an Eisen Trophy winner. You know, and now you can't just, now you can't ignore him. So you're never, they're never going to get that. And I would love to see it, but there's no way in hell we're going to see that happen. And sadly, for all the reasons you brought up, that's all, a lot of those reasons are why we'll probably not get a NCAA football game anytime soon. Yeah, man, I miss that. I really do. Yeah. It's it's sad. That <laughs> I miss that. Honestly, dude. And my mom listens to this podcast and I want to apologize for my profanity, but I miss that. It, <laughs> I miss you that. know, I miss winning the Heisman four years in a row, man. I miss that. I'm president. I'm president. National championship every year. <laughs> 6,000 yards every year. Let's four go. Time, not, but have you ever had it? Have you ever had it happen though? Like you come in second place though. No, listen, well, I, listen. I, I, I you you go you go to a G five school. They give you no respect. You you gonna be number eight the rest of the season. You can go undefeated. You can beat people by fifty. They're like nah. I start over. We good. <laughs> I start over. I didn't win this year. Right, I'm not playing anymore. Never mind. No. <laughs> <laughs> I start over. Uh-uh. I miss that, man. And again, that's a, that's a, that's another skeleton in the closet that the NCAA doesn't want to touch because they see how popular it actually is and they see how in actuality they're kind of, they really are exploiting players by doing that. Um, and they don't want to, yeah, that's, they want to avoid that. They don't want to put, they don't want to, give out money. They don't want to pay the guys that make them rich. This is a billion dollar corporation and they don't have to play they don't have to pay their employees, basically. No. No, they're not gonna Yeah. So um I think we should just leave it there with our thoughts and feelings about everything that's gone on over the last hour and a half. And I'll end it by saying the NCAA can go suck it. Wear a mask. The NCAA is a shit show. I'm done with them. Screw them. We need change. The players, the coaches, everyone involved with the NCAA playing college athletics, they need to rise up and make change. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I hate to make this comparison, but the NCAA is like the House of Representatives and the Senate. <laughs> yeah. If we're being honest here, uh, yeah. they they have they have guys that have been there for years that will not change, yeah. and it's not going to change because of money, basically. Yeah. yeah. And like yeah. I, like I said, I hate making that analogy, but that's exactly what the NCAA is. They they're money they're a money hungry organization that exploits players. That's what it is. You know, there's there's citizens that are coming out and saying, "Hey, we should make bills, we should make laws, have laws in place," and they're like, uh, "You know what? We're fine. No, we're good. We, we've we've been doing okay up to this point. We're we don't want to make change. We're we're good." And I meant to say this earlier when mentioning Jim Nagy. Jim, if you happen to listen to this podcast, I respect the hell out of you. You're amazing at what you do. Thank you for what you've brought to us as college analysts, NFL media, everything. You've done great, but we're not a big fan of what you tweeted out. So just saying that. So now that we got our thoughts and feelings out about the college football season being canceled potentially. I came up with an idea after hearing all the news on, uh, on set or yesterday, assuming the 2020 college football season were to be canceled due to COVID-19, many underclassmen and seniors would not be able to showcase their talents and put on extra tape for NFL evaluators and many draft analysts on the Twitter community. That is draft Twitter. The only time senior prospects would be able to showcase their talent is either in the NFLPA Collegiate Bowl, the Shrine Bowl, or the granddaddy of them all, the Senior Bowl. So, I have an idea, or a few ideas, for the 2021 Senior Bowl and the 2021 NFL Draft process as a whole. Idea number one, push back the NFL Draft process back by at least a month to a month and a half. The NFL Combine will happen at the end of March, the start of April, and Pro Days would happen throughout April and May. The NFL Draft will begin the first week of June. If there are underclassmen or seniors that go undrafted, they may have the option of going back to school with approval from the NCAA or the NFL. Idea number two, the Senior Bowl. The seniors should be done the entire month of February. Arlington, Texas. All underclassmen that declare for the NFL draft, which I would assume or estimate would be close to or just over 100 players, um, would be a part of Senior Bowl month. All players that would have been a part of the NFLPA Shrine Bowls, NFLPA Shrine Bowls will be a part of Senior Bowl month. So combine the the group of players from those two bowls together, that's 200 plus players. And then all the seniors that were, that would be on the senior bowl watch list potentially, that's probably more than 100 players. The roster size for the senior bowl, 400 plus players, which is beyond insanity. But, I have an idea to deal with that. We have multiple teams, coaching staffs, and stadiums. There will be eight teams that consist of 50 or more players, four teams for each conference, the Eastern and Western Conference, similar to the NBA and NHL, 
Eastern Conference, Western Conference. The Eastern Conference in Arlington, Texas, they will practice at Global Life Field, the new Texas Rangers baseball stadium, convert that into a makeshift NFL field. The Western Conference will practice at the AT&T Stadium. Each team will be coached by an NFL head coach whose team finished last in their respective division. Each team will be assigned a time slot for practices during their time in Arlington. Um, 8, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m., 10.05 to 12 p.m., then a little break in between, uh, 2 p.m. to 4 p.m., 4.05 to 6 p.m. All eight teams will have will practice for three days each week. Games and, of course, the traditional Senior Bowl game. Each team will play one game each weekend from Saturday, February 6th to Sunday, March 7th. Each team will play one morning game and one afternoon game. On the final week of Senior Bowl month, the week of the 28th, that would proceed into March, fans will vote in which team will play in the Senior Bowl from the Eastern Conference and Western Conference. That's what I have down for my idea for the Senior Bowl. I know there are a crap ton of logistics and also having to deal with the COVID-19 pandemic if it's still going around, assuming it is. Um, what do you guys want to add to that? I like this is something that I'll probably keep around if they do decide to change the senior bowl and I can share it on Twitter and whatnot. So what do you think I should add to this? What do you think could be added? Um, I think what's going to be a huge hurdle is convincing the NFL to push things back. Okay. That, that's that's their, fair, fair. Draft season back from, you know, from the combine being in February, pushing that back a month to, you know, pushing the draft itself back into the summer. Um, because you got to keep in mind that also can have an effect on, so you said the draft would be in June, right? Yeah. So, like the first week of June. So teams will have less time to get rookies and stuff signed before training camp starts in July, in late July. Right, right, right. So that's going to be another. I look at it. I, I mean, I guess I, I see it as teams and, and organizations like they're going to use that as a reason why not to. They're going to say like that's going to be a problem. Yeah, let me get that. And not to mention, you're going to have to try to get the NCAA and the NFL on the same page all together. That's true. And that, that's two huge entities, two huge egos that is, they don't, I mean, they already don't like to move stuff around as it is now. Yeah. Um, so my assumption with this, so this is without a season completely, right? Yeah. No spring college football, right? Nope. I su- I would say you had to do it earlier. You probably have to do that in January oh, or like, February. It, like if, if there's no season at all, I think I would have to think you had to do it like December, January, yeah. somewhere in that. You had to. I th- I feel like you had to have the same yeah, time you're, frame. You're, you're probably right. You know, as like a, a normal season uh, or normal off season, because since the NFL has. Prim- I mean, they didn't even move this year's draft. You yeah. know, they just made it virtual. 
Um, so that just shows you like they're going to be pretty stuck on their deadlines, you know. Yeah. They're going to stick to their guns when it comes to stuff like that. And then kind of also uh, to think about, like you're saying, uh, not only signing rookies, but they have mini camps, uh, rookie mini camps and stuff like that. So they got to have time to get those rookies that they draft and sign acclimated to the NFL culture and whatnot. Yep. So I, to me, I like the idea. I think that if that's going to happen, they have to go full on like we can't we're not going to do the college season in the spring because um, that's like a whole different conversation having in the spring. Because that, that's not even going to work, especially with the, the whole NFL draft process. And I doubt any player right. that's want to get drafted is going to play in the spring because yeah. it doesn't make, even make sense. Any, but Any, you know, the big name guys like Trevor Lawrence is not going to play in the spring. Also, if I'm a player from a player standpoint, if I don't have a season and I'm not really I'm not truly showcasing myself in front of the in front of NFL teams until maybe March or April. Like, that's a long time for me to not to do anything. We see it now with NBA guys. Like, for the most part, the play has been pretty good with the bubble. But there are some players here and there that has obviously, you know, they struggled a little bit because they haven't yeah. played in four months. So we're talking about, you know, collegiate guys that are going to go an entire season without plan. And now they're probably not going to work out in front of teams until March or April. And again, if you're Trevor Lawrence, can you, how confident can you be to not be able to work out in front of teams until that late, like you're talking about eight or nine months from now. So are we going to see the best of Trevor Lawrence when it comes to him and his workouts at that point in time? Like that's a, to me, I would rather, like Devin said, I would rather do it around the normal time of December, January, that yes. way I don't have a, I mean, yeah. I don't have a long 10 month layoff and now I got to try out in front of the Panthers for yeah. an overall pick. Yeah, I, I agree with you guys. I, I think I could have made it, made the idea maybe just having it in December, maybe yeah. like a month for players that yeah. are going to be entering the NFL draft that know will be playing that want to play in the professional level spend the next month at their respective universities and colleges training, preparing themselves for the senior bowl month in this type of, in this hypothetical. I see what you're you're trying to do. I see what you're trying to put it together. And like, and from from a school standpoint, okay. So you guys know how pro days go, right? Like there's like 30 pro days in a single day. Yep. And if things are pushed back, I don't know if I want to, I don't know if I want to have my same pro day as Clemson if I'm a particular school. You know, if I'm, if I'm yeah. LSU, I don't want to have, I want to get my guys shown. So right. I'm going to try to let, let's maybe, you know, <laughs> they may want to try to spread out the pro days in that matter since, you know, the draft process is pushed back and, you know, all that. So now you're talking about, you know, May or April or whatever, you may have an extra month or so for pro days. And again, if I'm I'm looking out for my guy for my prospect and I'm a AD of LSU, I don't want my pro day on the same day as Clemson because everybody's probably want to go to Clemson. I want to have mine separately. I mean, we got more time on our hands now. Right. Yeah, and like I'll probably adjust this whole list. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. I see what you I see what you're doing. I see it. Yeah. I see what you're doing. It, it is. It, a, it is a smart idea. And the reason why I say eight teams and playing every weekend of February into March is because they're like Dylan Moses, for example, 
he wouldn't he's not gonna be able his last full season of college tape was his sophomore year. Like give usually usually NFL teams or draft draft analysts like ourselves need about three to four games to really get a good understanding of a prospect. Rondell, Rondell Moore is the same way. Oh, and Rondell Moore, that's a great example. And so that's why I want like most, like at least four games. Maybe if you make it, if you if you make it like a couple month thing, it would give more teams more tape. It would give more players more opportunities to show off their talents when they weren't able to this season. Or even last season, if they were injured. Um, oh, and Tylen Wallace, for example, like he missed a good amount of games because of a torn ACL, I believe, last year. Mm-hmm. So, and also, in a way, this could be more like a test for what a potential, what a bubble could do, what a football bubble would look like. It, it would be hard to pull off, but this, in a way, this could be more like an experiment, you know? Yeah, it's just I I think when it comes to something like that, I just you know, and I, and I'm I'm a guy I think from various perspectives. So just thinking from the NCAA perspective, they probably wouldn't want because they're going to be thinking about ratings. Yeah, they're yeah. not going to get the same ratings as if Trevor Lawrence isn't playing or if Justin Fields isn't isn't playing. So you know they're they're not going to want. And you also got to keep in mind that, you know, that part of the year, NBA is still going on. NBA is going to, you know, they're going to start their season probably what? The NFL will be in the middle of their playoffs. NFL will be. College basketball will also be going on as well. So and that's the problem. If you move it to December or January or you move it, if you have the Senior Bowl done in a full month, like throughout a month, in the middle of NFL season with the playoffs going on and or about to begin, like a lot, you, yeah, it, it's going to be tough. Like that's why I wanted it in February. So then all 32 teams would be able to see um, prospects. Um, so All Star Weekend is in February as well. All Star Week. Ah, oh, that's true as well. And yeah, it's a lot to work out. You know, this is this was something I was just thinking of, maybe like as a, just trying to get my mind to think of ways to make sure college players were able to showcase their talents one final time to no, the next audience. It's fine. I see what you're doing. Yeah, it's, 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 there. There are just some things that need to be ironed out. When it comes to that, and I think again, it, it kind of goes back to the notion that we were talking about at the beginning of the show, where people that want to move college football to spring is it, way easier said than done, man. And, and I can't, I can't see that happening. I can't even see FCS moving that to the spring because, to be quite honest with you, who's going to watch FCS football in the spring? I, sorry, I'm not going to put it out there like that, but no one is really going to care about it. I know football. We may we may care about it, but to the, yeah. the general masses, the common fans, they're not going to care about seeing North Dakota State in February. As, as someone, it's not going to matter. I have a lot of so 
University of um, Western or Western Carolina University is about an hour away from where I live um, in Silva or in Cullowee, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Like they're probably going to have their season in the spring. If not, they'll probably cancel the season. They have their season in the spring. I'll probably go and watch it. Like, and I'll probably end up going to the tailgating because I hear the tailgating at Western Carolina is wild. Yeah. But, um, and that's where a lot of my friends go, but you know, we'll just have to wait and see. And I'm really curious. And overall, this was just something to get my mind going of like, what, what could the senior bowl do? What does, what, potential does it have that it can do for not only senior prospects or pros- or juniors that were able to graduate before December. What can you do for not only those guys, but for the underclassmen yeah. that weren't able to showcase their talent one more time to fans and the national audience? So... And it, it sucks that we're going to have to rely a lot on the 2019 tape. But then, and I hate bringing this up, and I hate suggesting this. I I really hate suggesting this. No NFL draft. I, it's... Why that's do you, a tiny, 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 tiny possibility. It's not going to happen, or it. No NFL draft is not going to happen. There will be an NFL draft. It's just with everything going on, like you never know. But it again, I don't want no NFL draft season. I want an NFL draft so bad. I just, I just want players to have an opportunity, underclassmen in general, to. Showcase their talent one more time. I think the NFL draft is so cocky at this point because they pulled off a virtual draft with no hit. So they think they can do anything at this point, to be honest with you. If they got, they got college football players that don't have a season. That's fine. We can still have a draft and we can still make sure those guys get what they deserve when it comes to notoriety and all that type of stuff. Their, 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 their chest is sticking. The NFL's chest, chest is sticking out a little bit because yeah, you know, training camp has started, and yeah, you have a couple guys here and there that are posted on the, you know, on the COVID nineteen list. But the Lord, you got almost two, you got almost two thousand players in the league. Man, that was what less than two or three percent of the players in the league that were put on the list. And now a lot of Stafford had a false positive. You know, a few of these guys are already off the the COVID list. So at this point, the NFL is like, yo, we're doing for what we have and what we dealt with. We're doing pretty good right now, and we're rolling into training camp. We're going to I, roll into this season. I, I think feel like the NFL. I feel like the NFL is going to do pretty good with this because they be they'll be fine. They'll be and, fine. Like there is depth. There's obviously valid concern, but this the concern with how. If Major League Baseball is not going to be able to contain an outbreak like it's been struggling to do over the last couple of weeks, how's the NFL going to do it? But okay. there's more travel with Major League Baseball than there is the NFL, and there's 
Yeah, because yeah, just, you don't have a team. You don't have you know they have series in baseball, so you don't have a, a team that's flying to a certain city, a certain city, and they're staying there for a week. You don't have that in NFL. So, and not to mention player discipline is, is a huge thing, man. You got you have baseball players going out to bars and strip clubs and stuff, man. Like that's that's not gonna work. Like you you gotta be, they, gotta be a little more focused when it comes to that. The Indians just like they let one of their players go. Um, or they sent one of their players home because he violated protocol, COVID-19 protocol. He went out to a bar, I think. You gotta do it. Yeah. So, you, you know, yeah, that, that was just my idea for what a 2021 senior bowl could look like in my eyes. And obviously we don't know what it's going to look like. Um, over the next several months. And also, let's make a note of this. There's always a possibility that, that the comp, the Power Five conferences, they, at the last minute, they could go, you know what? Let's just stick to, let's just stick with playing college football this year. And if we have to stop college football, because if, in case a, outbreak another surge of cases happens which if it if that happens again i won't be furious but we at least get to see some college football you know but i mean we there's so much unknown right now we're we're wrapped we'll just have to wait and see what happens over the next few days and throughout the week and hopefully we hope we pray for the best yep for college football we pray for the best in players and coaches for their health and safety. And we do the same thing for the NFL. We pray for their health and safety. And we hope that we can have a college football season after all. After all. And we hope we will have a full NFL season. Mm-hmm. So that'll be it for it tonight, guys. Yep. It's good talking to you guys. Yep. It's good. And thank you, everyone, for joining us. Um, on this lovely Sunday evening or whenever you're listening to this. And I'll, and Devin and I will see you soon. Eric, thank you so much for coming on. We'll definitely have you on again sometime soon. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. Yes, sir. And, you know, everyone, stay safe. Please wear a mask so then we can get back to normalcy soon. And to my mom listening to this podcast, Probably in the next couple of days. I really do. <laughs> From the bottom of my heart, I apologize for my profanity. I will do gassers or I'll sprint up and down the driveway, dri- driveway for you if you want me to. Man. Oh man, I not gassers. Nah, 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 nah. You can't, you can't, no you can't agree to that one, man. No you, matter what. <laughs> you cannot agree to that. That's death. That's hey, death. I, I gotta do what I gotta do. To make my mama happy. I love my mom to death. The best one in the world. And I also I don't love know, man. My mom, my mom is top tier, man. I don't know about the best in the world. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want, I don't want to make my dad angry either. And so, yeah. All right, guys. It was good talking to you guys. Thank you for coming in and listening to us, folks. We'll see you soon. Peace out.